Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. Okay. Our school of prayer again, that's where we're at. Let's declare the word of understanding. I like to, in fact, this is, I'm excited telling people about uh, Christian cultism. Don't ever forget it. We are in the highest of the cults that exist, and that's one reason why we don't have time for joining Oboni, or joining Marfites, or joining um, Pirates. I mean, it's like, after studying, um, a, maybe, I finished a degree in engineering, and I want to introduce me to secondary school physics. You know, I'm going to look at you like, do you know who you are talking to? I hope, are you getting my point? Yes. That's just the way it is. All right? And for those, every cult, every cult has, and that, the word is in the Bible, though. I didn't invent it. When you see the word mysteries, that's what it's talking about. All right? The only thing is that we are initiated not by our own sacrifices, but for this, by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our initiation process. That is a fact. We are initiated not by our own effort, but by what Jesus Christ did. And it is open to everybody. Every secret society, every cult you are in, they have incantations, they have sacrifices, and they have do's and don'ts. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know, one of my, one of my sisters said this, and I learned that from her. It's a revelation of God. So one day somebody was telling her some things, and she said, listen, everybody uses juju. This is my own juju. And my juju says, don't do this. Are you getting my point? How do you get things in the world? There are things that juju allows them to do. They will say every day, sacrifice this. Certain jujus will say, don't touch. A woman must not touch this. This thing must not touch water. Our own, is very, they are all there in the scriptures. For example, when they tell a man who is in ministry, in business, building a career, juju says, thou shalt not commit adultery. That is a juju. Do you understand? This is a don't touch. That is, a, that, is a, that is a don't touch of our juju. Our juju says, never look to any man for help. Our juju says, our help comes only from God. Everybody has his juju. You know, I keep on telling you, just don't go around this life thinking that you'll just be, you won't join something. You'll just die or let less. Those who have joined, they will kill you. Are you getting my point? When you're telling people, give your life to Christ, that's what it means, though. Give your life to Christ does not mean come to our church. It means join the real thing. How do you join? It's by giving your life to Christ. Every juju has do's and don'ts. Our own juju. <laughs> Pardon me that I'm calling it juju. We are in Africa. That is what they understand. In our own juju, we don't carry anything. We don't have to hide it in our pocket. We don't have to touch it when we are praying. We don't have to hold anything. He says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. The word of faith which we preach. That's how our juju works. There's nothing buried. We don't bury things. The only, no, there's only one thing we bury. Sin. We bury our sins. We walk away from it. That's what we bury. But physically, we don't bury anything. No. We allow the blood of Jesus to wash us clean of all iniquity. That's how we do our own cult things. And our cult things is open to everybody. And we invite everybody in. Even though it's open, it's superior. It's stronger. Please follow me. It's stronger than every other one. I say it and I mean boldly. Go and tell the Juju um, and Oboni man that Pastor Bank said you can't do him anything. He said, Are you sure? Say, Try him. Then you wake up tomorrow when the man is injured. 
I did not even know about it. Why? Because I have something far superior to his own. That's just the way it is. I mean, you see, Christians, you know what this, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I was preaching. You know, I traveled over the weekend. I was not around. You noticed. One place I, I, where I went to preach, the topic of my uh, teaching for four sessions was foundations and pillars of financial prosperity. All right? And I explained something to them. I said, as a Christian, never say those people, you know why they are succeeding? They are using something. I said, in life, everybody must use something. And you that are saying they are using something is because you don't know you have something to use. I don't know whether you get the point. They, we have something to use, and we must use our something. When you wake up in the morning and you lay hands on your business, you know that's using something. Is that natural eyes? Please, I hope you are getting my point. We must use something. When you want to go and do an exam and you lay hands on your paper, is that not using something? No, think about it. As me, you're not a Christian. You see a man who wants to do an exam. He holds the paper and do it like this. It's incantation. It's using something. That's a matter of fact. So anytime we want to do anything, we use something. Let's rise to our feet and use something. <laughs> to understand the word of God, we must use something. The Lord is good. For those who are coming for the first time or you're not very used to it, please learn from those who know it already. Peep into their devices. I keep on announcing it every time. All you need to do is go to our website, pastor.ng. Very easy. And just go to sermons or tracts under the UC declarations KWM. Tap it, it downloads in less than five seconds because the file is very small. All right, PDF, you keep it on your device. We have three of them. They will take you one already today as we're about to start um, um, praying. Now, before we start learning scripture, we'd like to take the one that we used to activate understanding. Oh God, in this life, please, this is a new law. You must use something. Don't just get up and go out. You don't have your juju with you. Your juju, let me tell you something about our juju. It's not even the kind of Bible. If you, put, you can put Bible under your head and you sleep, it doesn't do anything for you. The devil will come and knock your head into that Bible. So it doesn't, it's not anything. It is the word that you have imbibed that has entered your heart. That is the one that works. Are you getting my point? That word that's inside your heart, how do you release it? With your mouth. The sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word of God. I hope you're getting my point here. You must use it every time. Before you start studying the scriptures, or every day you remember, just take this declaration. It will help you to help your life. It will heal your body. Alright? So if you are ready, one, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I am being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It sounds so good, I feel like doing it again. Are you getting my point? Is that like that in English language now? They say one good turn deserves another. Even though that's not what they mean, but you know what I'm trying to say. We just apply the way it suits us. All right? The Lord is good. One, two, let's do it again. Now I declare giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. The most spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
as a result of this. I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. That is your portion this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is a portion of your life in the name of Jesus. Amen. That is a portion of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Alright, let's take our seats and study the scriptures. Today we are going to um, we are going to be studying the word of God. And we are going to be praying at the same time. So it looks like you are going to see a lot of amen the whole of our teaching for today. But let's just take a few scriptures as foundation for what I want to do. We're talking about the rod of God. That is the staff that God gave to Moses. That was a method by which he was supposed to do signs. And we read, remember the one we talked about extensively, the fact that when they were going to battle in Rephidim, when um, Amalek came and attacked Israel, um, Moses sent Joshua out to the battle, whereas he went to the top of the mountain to not do any physical battle. He went to the top of the mountain. All they just did was to go and sit down, all right, doing nothing. It appears like. I'm just looking at it from under the sun. But we know what happened was that he went there and lifted the rod of God up. And as long as the rod was lifted up, the battle went in the direction of Israel. And that rod had to be, had to be kept up until Israel totally defeated the Amalekites. And the same thing happened to Joshua. When Joshua was going to uh, fight uh, the second time at Ai, uh, in that Joshua chapter 8, even though he had what looked like good military strategy, enough men of war, but God made it clear to him that except his hand was stretched out towards the field of battle, he wouldn't have victory. So he had to keep his hand stretched out until they are totally defeated Bethel and I. Now, that was how it worked. Now, we said, don't ever forget it. What is Joshua? Joshua, in that situation, not the person of Joshua, but what he represented at that time, because Moses was on the mountain, the one of Exodus chapter 17. He was out um, in the battle, so he was the outward manifestation of the things that were happening. In our lives, this is what it means. Yes, I will go to school, I will read and get my certificate. Yes, I will have my business plan. Yes, I will get up and, you know, eat good food. I will get up and exercise. Sometimes, 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 listen to this. I need to say this. Sometimes it even comes to the fact that a doctor said, take this medicine, all right? And if that's the faith that I have, no problem. It's not a sin to take the doctor's medicine. It's not a sin at all. So let's just say that it's a medicine I'm taking. That's outward, all right? Whatever it is I'm doing outwardly. Let me even talk about uh, safety on the road. I buy a very good car. That's Joshua in the battlefield. I have a Udechuku CVMS. Maintain my car very well. That's outward, all right? Some people say that, uh, oh, they, they, they fly this airline because it is safer. This one is not safe. <laughs> anyway, I choose the correct airline. That is Joshua on the battle. These things are outward. Except the man, uh, except the Lord watches the city. The watchmen are awake in vain. So there's, there are watchmen on the walls. There are watchmen that are awake. So these things are the Joshua in the battles. These are the watchmen that are awake. But the real victory we have established, the real victory, the real victory, the real victory is decided 
by the position of the hands of Moses on the mountain. No matter how well Joshua fought in that battle, if Moses kept his hands down, he would lose. Are you getting my point? No matter how well the Amalekites fight in that battle, if Moses kept his hands up, they would lose. So if the hands of Moses are down, or are you getting my point? Joshua will lose. If the hands of Moses are up, the Amalekites will lose. The effort of the Amalekites notwithstanding, if Moses kept his hands up, they will lose that battle. The effort of Joshua notwithstanding, if Moses kept his hands down, he will lose that battle. It's a sign for us. The Bible says these things were recorded for our learning. So what we need to know, that's what we're just discussing. What is our rod? What is our staff? How do we keep it in our hands and keep it up? For the first day I talked about this, we identified the rod as what? The word of God. We identified that from the book of Jeremiah. The word of God is our rod, is our staff. That is what comforts us. That's what God uses to take care of us. It now says, now I have provided the staff. What you need to do is to keep it up. How do we keep it up? We take it into our mouths and lift it up every time. That is what we talk about all the time. Last time I said something, I need to emphasize it again. We must be careful to be sure that we discuss God's word more than we discuss problems. We must be careful. It's a habit we all have to form. You know, I thought about it. If we go and listen to our series, um, Total Faith, I realized that faith is a substance that you acquire in your life. Now, I was talking about it, the pursuit and the use of faith. It's something you get. It's something that's yours. It's a, it's a, I keep on using the word material because it's what, it's, that's what is easiest to, to appreciate. But it's a spiritually tangible substance. You acquire it. I thought about it. Sometimes we, think, we claim we are believing God for something. The sign that the faith is there so that it works or it doesn't work is not how you feel. Are you getting my point? The people that said that Jesus looked at and said, Great is your faith, they did not think they had faith. They did not know what faith was. They just had the need. And they went to the Lord Jesus and he said, Great is your faith. What am I going to say? We must be careful to live in the atmosphere of faith all the time. Then I talked about the ambience of faith. I talked about that. We must be careful so that we create that ambience around us. It's a habit we have to form deliberately. What do I mean? Every time in life we talk. I mean we talk all the time. I'm sure I've spoken for hours today. And it's just now starting to preach. I have spoken for hours. But if I go and sit down and analyze the things that I said, let's think about it. How much, more, how much of it was edifying? How much of it could God confirm? If God said everything you have said today, I'm going to confirm it. How will I be blessed in what I have discussed today? If God said everything you have said today, I will confirm it. How will I be blessed? How much blessing will be in it? <laughs> That's what I'm going to emphasize. We have to be careful. We create that culture of discussing the word of God all the time. And one thing I want to talk about today is the way we ended last time. That's one thing I want to do today. I just want to talk. Just talk. I don't want to pray. I just want to talk. Just to show us God's counsel. And I want to tell everybody, this is prayer. This habit. When the Bible says pray without season, it's something that can be done. You can pray and never stop. The mistake we have made, I believe, for years in the matter of prayer is that we have thought prayer is about talking about our problems. No, that's not prayer. If we have problems, we ask God, yes, fine. But you can't have problems all the time. So how do you pray all the time? 
Some people say they just worship God. Then you even get tired of worshiping. I think we have to learn that prayer is beyond this issue of praise and worship or making requests. My own understanding in recent times is that you just deliberately talk about God. That's exactly what it means to magnify Him. Are you getting my point? Sometimes we lift up our hands. You know, I've said something to us in different ways, different times. When we come to church and we do things, many of them, they are not very forceful because they are being done because of the environment we are in. Like today now, we have declared, if, we, if it's not plenty, at least 100 sentences of God's word. Does it work? Yes. But listen to me. It is more powerful if you wake up in the morning. You're not even trying to pray. You just want to start the day. And you start talking. It is even more powerful than that when it's a response to a particular situation. When they tell you, this is what happens, something that is negative. And instead of discussing that, you just start talking about God. You start magnifying Him. i give you a very good example again. Talking about this Islamic or no Islamic agenda thing. In Nigeria of today, people talk all the time, say, Islamic agenda. I told somebody a few days ago, I said, I don't believe in it. And you know my opinion here. So he's saying that Islamics, Islamists don't have their agenda. I said, this is life. Everybody has a right to an agenda. And it should be wicked on your part to expect the Muslim not to have a Muslim agenda. The Muslim cannot have a Christian agenda. He must have a Muslim agenda. And if he's a true Muslim, he should want to see his religion take over everywhere. I mean, that's just sincerity of faith. That is the same way. You must have an agenda. And indeed, I believe Christians have an agenda. So why do they sit down and make it look as if if Muslims have an agenda, it's a problem? I'm not threatened. When I hear, I like what Miles Monroe said. This is not today. He said, he said long ago, he said, you have talk of this, talk about that, you talk about Islam, he mentioned it. He talked about communism. He said, I'm not disturbed. He said, if you ask me why, I'll tell you. I have read the end of the book and they are not there. He said, I've read the conclusion of the matter. He said, and they are not there. So I know all this noise will end at a particular point in time. That's how Christians are supposed to respond. When they say, oh, look at what's happening. They are going to invade us. It's in the scriptures. He said, if they attack you one way, they will flee seven ways. Why don't you just talk about that? He said, of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Why don't you talk about that? Why don't you talk about the fact that he said, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be exalted above all the mountains. And every nation, Arab nation, South American nation, American nation, European nation, and Nigerian nations, every one of them will flow into it. Why don't you talk about that? I shared with us here what my friend Pastor Corey shared. Which guides, all right, how he behaves in the midst of all of these things. He, does, he, lives, near, he lives next to the Sultan of Sokoto, if you know what I'm going to say. He lives in Sokoto there. And he said, once he was meditating, and the Holy Spirit helped him to see it, and we've seen it here, we're not going to read it now. But when Gideon was threatened, when he was, his heart was failing him, because now he had physical war, not imaginary war. He had real war. 
the people had camped because he had caused a lot of trouble. And people had camped against him. And God had told him, knock down your army from the 10,000 people that came. And they remained only 300. It's as you know, the way God does, God sometimes wants to weaken you entirely. So that you have no other option but to look up to him. Listen, in this life we must know that God indeed is king. He rules in the affairs of men. He rules. The less of human beings you know, the better for you. Because that way you have no, you have no choice but to pray. And God is just real. What I mean by real is that it's not as if, oh God, let's pray, let's see what he will do. It's somebody you can walk up to, knock, that a good evening. I have an issue. What's happening? I am going for an interview. And they say, I don't know anybody. And I've laughed when they said it. Because I know you. I, I saw one cartoon the other day. Two kids talking. He said, do you know anybody important? The boy said, well, I hate to brag. You know, it's not like I'm trying to brag. But actually, God, I heard daddy saying that God is his father. You know, so my grandfather is God. You know, I'm not bragging. You know, <laughs> Now, the, the, the truth is that that's how real God is. It's like, you don't know anybody who said, do you know who I know? That's what we're talking about. And we talk about this, our God, like that. That he's, like, okay, the, the idea is, okay, how do I handle this? Don't worry, I'll go home, I'll pray about it. Let me tell the Lord about it. And it's a matter of fact. I like one thing, you know, this story is so, it's so instructive. When Ben Carson said he was having serious problems with um, his studies here and his brother, and his mother was so upset and said, okay, everybody go to bed. I will pray. Let me see what the Lord will say. And he could not sleep because he knew the Lord would say something. I know he was troubled. Okay? So next morning when the mother called them, he knew that the Lord had said something. And uh, what did the Lord say? Simple things. The Lord just gave this woman simple strategies by which she will solve the problems in the home. Very simple things. One, no more TV for the kids. They can only watch two programs a week. They thought, what is going on here? Ben Carson said later that when people said, how do you make your children stop doing something? He said he doesn't understand that question because in his house, his mother just said stop, and that was it. <laughs> There's nothing like, how do I do? The mother came and said, no TV in this house. That was the end of it. And he said, next, you read two books every week. You give me a summary of it. Any book, it can be on anything. Can be on rocks, can be on birds, can be on religion, can be on anything at all, just two a week. And this woman was not educated. So for her to have known that, God actually spoke to her. She woke up in the morning, and those were the ideas that the Lord dropped in her mind, and he said, This is the Holy Spirit, and gave it to the boys. That took the boys from the bottom of the class to the top of the class. Our God is real. I tell Christians, that's one advantage we have. I like what the Chris Devon said. He said, Christians don't even understand that prayer is a tangible weapon. <laughs> he said, they just, ah. I told him, my friend, Pastor Courage in Sokoto, when this bombing thing started, all this Boko Haram issue, they came to him in church, said, all right. The pastor said, let's gather, know the Christians. And then he was, um, I don't know what was then or before that point, he was PFN chairman for Sokoto State. So what are we going to do? Some people say, look, Let's go to the police and have a meeting. It's only, what are they going to do? At the point, they said, get a, a, a bomb detector, metal detector. He said, fine. When I will have detected the bomb, what do I do? 
It was a simple question. Why they were arranging meetings with the police people? Police headquarters. Boom. The people went put. Boom. So they called these people. Say, see what I was telling you. The people you are trying to go to to protect you. Their own place has been bombed. They could not detect the bomb. So they said, what do we do then? He said, it's simple. When the church was threatened, what did they do? They went and prayed. And they gathered everybody and said, from now on, every Tuesday, we will meet at certain places and we will pray. He said, for them, that threat was an advantage. All these pastors that used to fight each other, all the fight disappeared. <laughs> all the quarrel melted when they had a bigger thing to tackle. And every Tuesday, they will come religiously and they will pray. Because prayer is actually a tangible weapon. What am I trying to say? Listen, we must learn to lift the rod of God up all the time. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. How do we do this? What we're talking about. And then, of course, we've been talking about it for some time. Just want to read some scriptures and then we'll start it again. Let's open our Bibles. Have we read anyone today? Alright, let's read the book of Malachi chapter 3. Let's start with that. This is how you will lift the rod up. The rod is the word of God. We know that. That is the rod of God for us. He said, what do you see? I see a rod of an almond tree. He said, very good, you have seen well. I am watching over my word to perform it. From that we know that that rod is the word of God. The book of Malachi chapter 3. Let's see how we are supposed to lift up our rod. And this is prayer. I was explaining that prayer is continual. It can easily be continual. What I was going to say, let me just finish it. I just remember I didn't completely say it. So we must be careful, therefore, all right? I want to just finish that. To talk more about God, talk more about our Father, talk more about the Lord Jesus, talk more about His Word than every other thing. I said last time, don't discuss your problems first. Discuss what God said about it. Before you even tell your wife you've been having these headaches, Describe what God said about troubles, what solution he has provided in Christ. Make it a constant topic of discussion. That is how we build faith. So that we will, you know, I said something before, I just feel like repeating it. Do you know if we do that all the time? You know, life is very spiritual. Life is very what? Spiritual. No, say it fully. What did I say? Life is very spiritual. My reading over the years taught me many things. Many years ago, I read a book, and a young woman who had some demonic problems, in the course of that, she began to have memory loss and all of that. So she went to hospital, and they did a scan of her head, and they found out that parts of her brain, all right, were beginning to degenerate. She was having some degenerative disorders in the brain. The scan showed it. But then she was being ministered to with prayer. And one of those sessions, they were casting out certain demons out of her because she's had a lot of problems. She's been, she's, she was on drugs, she was a prostitute, a strip dancer, she's been everything, troubled some person, all, no one disobeyed, seven spirits, more wicked. She had all of them. So this man was praying for her and casting out demons out of her. This is the interesting part. One of the demons that left her, the name was dementia. Because they have names. As they were leaving, they were talking. 
And after the deliverance session was over, I don't mean this village deliverance cast out the witches inside a tree. Forget those jokes, all right? Real one. <laughs> you know, she went back to hospital later. The, the, the degeneration in her brain had gone. I said, these things are real. That was an evil spirit that began to mess up her brain. It is not every spirit you remember to cast out. The number one way by which spirits are cast out is by the entrance of God's word. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is a power of God unto salvation. That was salvation which is soteria in the Greek. Go and check the Scofield Bible. It gives it about seven different meanings. One of them is deliverance. People can never be fully delivered except the word of God fills their heart. I like the story Ken Hagin told in his book that as a young pastor, he saw people organizing deliverance meetings. He joined them too. Don't join people. <laughs> you know, don't join people. What you don't understand, don't do. They did the deliverance meeting. He said, look, if you, are, if you think you've seen manifestation, some people said that as we were casting the bed, the spirit was coming out. He said, I've seen all kinds of things. They almost start climbing my wall. During deliverance sessions. So I did deliverance, loosening, getting free meetings. Each one lasting a few weeks. The next week we are starting loosening meetings. They will come. If it is modern day, you will sow a seed for your loosening. When they come back for deliverance, you will sow a seed for your deliverance. When they come back for getting free, you sow another seed to be free. He said, listen, this way, country folk, I used to, that, what they call, those live on farms and all of that. I used to go around their homes and they didn't see any change. And they began to pray. And finally, Holy Spirit said, you are trying to achieve by this your methods what only my word can achieve. So, he discontinued it and began to just talk the scriptures. And people started getting healed. People started getting delivered. And he said something which very instructive. He said all those years he was a pastor, he was a pastor for 12 years. He said this, that they used to have healing programs regularly. And that very few times did any member of his church get healed in any of those programs. That unbelievers will come, he will lay hands on them, bam, they will get healed. People will come from orthodox churches that don't understand the word of truth, the way he was preaching it. He lays hands on them, boom, they get healed. But his church member, he can count on his hands, maybe like three or four, in 12 years that ever got healed like that. Were they all remaining sick? No. He said in the 12 years he's talking about, not one church member died. What does that tell you? They don't get healed dramatically, but they always got healed. He said he found out that this one program he does for healing is like evangelism, outreach. But the church members always got healed. How did they get healed? It's simple. The word is entering them regularly, constantly. They are constantly being healed. You don't see anything dramatic. Blood pressures come down. Sugar levels are arranged. Old people's knees were rearranged back to where it's supposed to be. Things just kept on happening without any dramatic manifestation. Why? They were constantly being fed with the word of God. That was the end of all these deliverance meetings. When I people start chasing a deliverance ministry, I said, look, the only real deliverance is if you are feeding you with God's word. If it is come out, come out, come out, come out, that means your church should be have members that last only two days. Because after come out for two days, you all go out. That's not so. They shouldn't come back. If they keep coming back, they're not being delivered. Change the name, it's not a deliverance ministry. 
But if you keep on teaching them God's word, they will understand. They are constantly being fed. What am I going to say? And I was saying something earlier, talking about things are spiritual and all of that. So that story I was telling you, it helped me to understand many things. And I'm going to say to us again, that you know by constantly talking about God's word, you will solve many problems in your life because the demons will run away. And it will never be diagnosed as a problem. There are headaches you will talk to because faith has filled your heart. We talked about it before. You'll be having these headaches and you will say to this headache, you will not kill me. Just, you know, just passing word. When Jesus spoke against that tree, when he spoke against that tree, he wasn't fighting the tree the way we fight. I speak to you right now. Begin to die. Your trees, uh, your leaves, your branches, branches, die, stem, root, one by one, from the lip. Listen, I, I, I'm not saying they are, these are very terrible things. It just shows our level of faith. It did ground, just one inch above the floor. When our Lord of faith spoke, he told the tree, he didn't even tell the tree to die. He just said, no one will eat of your fruit again. And the tree called a conference. But guys, if nobody is going to eat of our fruit again, what's going to happen? Somebody said, I die with that too. <laughs> so they said, who will die first? Ah. The guy said, let's die easily now. If the roots die, every other thing will dry. So they spoke by saying that the roots die. And the roots went. Are you getting my point? Listen, I'm saying when faith is present, many manifestations, all right, will not be because we directly spoke about that thing. We just say something small, trivial. Just into the headache. This headache, you will not disturb my progress. You didn't say more than that. What you don't know is that you just cure the brain tumor. You won't testify because you don't know it happened. And I, again, I can see that from the scriptures because the Lord Jesus was not looking out for the tree. It was Peter that was looking around. After that day, this is a joke. I'm sure after that day, when Jesus is walking, the boys walked behind. You know the idea? Before he says, Peter, you will not step on that rock again. <laughs> so, Peter just, the guy is John, stay in front, I'm okay behind. <laughs> Let him not see us commit anything. <laughs> oh, that's a joke. Now the point I'm making is this, you see, if we do what is right, we feel they talk about the word of God all the time. It boosts faith in our hearts so that there are times we just say things simply. You just say, oh, don't worry about the economy. It cannot disturb our progress. You did not pray. You just uttered the word. But people see that every day. Eh? This dollar now. Eh? What are they trying to do? They are confused people. APC said there was change. Is this a change we want? And they talked for one hour analyzing. Last time I told you, don't bother listening to any joker who's writing commentaries in the papers. He does not know more than you do. By the time they finish talking, 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 they have said nothing for God. to. If God were to confirm every word, they will never see positive change in life. There will be confusion everywhere. Thank God he doesn't confirm everything they say. If any discussion like that, they've uttered nothing. Meanwhile, if you had just said, what, whether up or down is for my progress. Simple word. You haven't said anything. Listen, and the angels go out to ensure that everything works out for your good. 
if dollar becomes a thousand naira, for some people, it's a lot of money. I mean, they are suddenly becoming richer because suddenly export is easier. Other countries want to buy your goods. Why? It's going to be cheaper when it gets there. That's why countries deliberately keep the value of their currencies down. China does that all the time. For the amount of exports they have, if they allow their currency to respond like that, they will become expensive internationally. So the governments aggressively try to keep their currency undervalued. Now, what am I going to emphasize? You can say that you can just make up your mind and you utter that, which is God's word. All things work together for good to them who love God and who are called according to his purpose. A simple statement. And based upon that, because there are two sides to it. Because he has said, we're in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, therefore we can boldly say. Because he said that, we'll boldly say to the economy, whichever way the currency value goes is to my advantage. You don't even know how it will be. But God's word will go out and create that. That's what I'm trying to say. Let our discussion be around what God is doing, not what the enemy is doing. I was saying earlier about Gideon, that my friends explained. That Gideon, what happened to Gideon? There was a lot of problems, you know, I read against Gideon. Then he went, God said to him, go and listen to what people are saying. Go and listen to what they are saying. And when he went there, he heard what the Midianites were saying. The Midianites had a large camp against them. Um, they camped in large numbers against the people of Israel. They are a small number of Gideon. And God said, listen to what they are saying. And he had one man tell the other one, say, I dreamt that a loaf of bread. <laughs> a loaf of bread rolled down and leveled the whole camp. Bread. Not even stone. Not even hailstones. Not another army. Ah, and the other one said, we are dead. We are dead. What happened? It's Gideon. Now, now notice what happened. They observed something. They gave it an interpretation. And that was what set them up for victory. The men of Gideon just said, hey, and everybody ran. No, read the story now. The men of Gideon just appeared. Gideon appeared. They broke flower vases. <laughs> jars. And were carrying fire. They torches in their hand. And they were running. Hey, hey, hey. And those men said, hey, we, we knew they were coming. We knew they were coming. And all of them disappeared. Go and read the story about the promised land. Rahab testified. When we heard people were coming, our hearts melted. That's why we locked the gate. You know what I'm saying this? When you focus on that negative news, your heart melts. That's why our president, Buhari, will make one small appointment. Christians say it's Islamization. Islamization. Every little thing. Media night response. Let's talk on a natural plane. Now, I know God knew what he was doing, but let's talk on a natural plane. If those men were not that afraid, do you understand? And when they heard the noise of Gideon and 300 men coming, they would have waited to see what it was. And when they get there, you know, in a fight, in a one fight, I've been awaiting. 300 men, no weapon. Kill them. Are you getting my point? Now, that's on a natural plane. But to see how things what happened. Many years ago, I've forgotten which year exactly. Now, that would be around 97 or so, okay, when there was this uh, bomb blast in Ikeja. All right? That's the uh, Ikeja cantonment. There are bomb depot there. There was a problem. The bombs began to explode in Maryland. If you remember, I think about 200 or how many people died in Ejigbo. Oh, you don't know Lagos well. Okay, let's leave it. This is how it is. Bomb, there are bomb blasts in Enugu. And 200 people died in Nightmare. Yeah, that's how it is. 
I think it's even further than that. You see, what happened? The bomb blast killed nobody. Okay, well, if you killed anybody inside the barracks, we don't know. It was breaking glass, you know, because of the vibration, all over Ikorodu Express, all right, down to um, Antony, down to Ilukweju, that area. Everybody could feel it. The, the, you know, the windows were vibrating. But they didn't know what was happening, so everybody was confused. But those in Ejigbo and that area, they lived near the waters. They decided to run, and they ran into the water and drowned. No, you can go and Google it up. They all just ran, in trying to run. People were falling about each other, of course. Swampy area, they were just run, drowning. Because there was an accident many kilometers away. But these were bombs, so the explosion was a lot. So the news was, hey, they have invaded. Who is they? Nobody cares. We just know that they have invaded us. The Lord taught me something long ago. I don't run if I don't know what, what people are running from. Okay, I think I know what started it. I was in secondary school, boarding house. We'll go to class to read at night. You'll hear somebody shout, and everybody will start running. Giddy, 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 giddy. Run out of class. We'll try, we injure each other. Then when you finally find out, there was one girl that went out somewhere and decided she saw a witch flying past. And screamed. Those things happened so many times when I was in my early days in Bunny House. Sometimes some boys are mischievous. They just start running. Knowing all of you will run. <laughs> Since that time, I think that's where it began from. So as I was growing, everybody's running. If I don't identify why you are running, I don't move. You may get injured like that. I have never gotten injured like that. I've always been saved. I remember once I was in class, in university. Suddenly my classmates got up and began to run. We had this tight, we were having a lecture. I didn't remember that particular lecture hall that day. So I said, what, what? They said, move, move. I said, no, I'm not moving. What is going on? So they were running past me. I just ducked out of the way. They ran out of the place. I said, what is it? It turned out that the transformer downstairs were upstairs, not in the building. The transformer elsewhere was making noise. And people ran out of the class. I just sat down there. I checked, what is it? Finally, everybody calmed down. I said, okay, I think that other transformer and that, I think there was a short in it and it's parking. All of you ran. I was sitting in the class, I didn't get up. Those who ran away, they ran back again and they still met me on my seat. And you know stories like that. Let me not bore you. One day my prof was driving past CIC. Saw people running, giddy, giddy, cars were turning, cars were turning. So he stopped like, why is everybody turning? Nobody knew. They were all just turning and going in the other direction. It's a man like me, I guess. I'm old, most of that man, in fact, he's late now, all right? He died, he was in his, about 80 when he died. The man just stopped and kept on going. And God, they found out that some CIC students were late for school. And their teachers were going to catch them. So the students <laughs> ran. Did you get this? The students, secondary school students, were running away from their teachers. And people in vehicles were turning and bolting in the other direction. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Fear will not rule your life. In the name of Jesus, fear will not rule your life. Amen.
At this, listen, the, the Midianites, they ran on that same principle. When Gideon arrived with 300 men, a lot of Christians now, they are afraid of Islam. And I believe I've been deputized by God to stop that nonsense. Like my friend Pastor Corey said, he said, after he read that story, he decided, he banned everybody in church. You don't talk about what the Muslims are planning. What if they are planning to kill you? Let them come. That's his attitude. He doesn't use any defense. Then come now. When the noise is so strong, the threats and everything, he intensifies the prayers. But you not hear him discuss it. He said, when you discuss it, they become stronger. You become weaker. So let's talk about our God. So let them hear what God is about to do and let them become afraid. Malachi chapter what? Chapter 3. 